to Marvelous Pod, where today we'll be discussing the penultimate episode of Marvel's Loki, Journey into Mystery. I'm Laura and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Abby. Hello. And Matthew. Hello. So gang, what did we think? Matthew, why don't you kick off? I enjoyed it. <laughs> Sorry, just like Matthew, why don't you kick off? Why don't you just go, just go, Matthew? Just have it. <laughs> Stop reading my subtext out loud, Abby. <laughs> Sorry, subtlety, subtlety. You and your effing opinions on your effing show. Why don't you effing f off? I didn't kick off. I, d- I didn't even think of it. Please tell us your thoughts, Matthew. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Don't make me edit all this crap. Come on. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Um, I thought it was a good mid-season episode, not a not a you know a peak major revelations episode type thing. Which is interesting because I was expecting it to be that. Mm. I was expecting this would be the like we've had in the last two shows, the episode of reveals, cards on the table, everything's laid out, and then next week is the finale big showdown. Um, it seems we are still to have revelations next week. So this was very good to move us from point A to point B. In some ways, a very video gamey manner. And I quite enjoyed that. I quite enjoy when I see video games done well on TV. Run across the thing, escape the thing, hide down, do some dialogue interactions with everyone, and then go back onto your journey and find the people to continue the quest with. Great. Abby, did you enjoy the video gameness of it all? I really did enjoy the video gameness of it all. It was, it was, um, there was some very Final Fantasy kind of elements to things, mm. nice little campfire moments, and kind of let's all fight the big thing and let's all fight each other. Which you know, I mean, I think this really takes Marvel's "Let's have them fight each other" to a fresh level. <laughs> it's, that, I thought of you, yes. Matthew, as um, <laughs> as we saw that play out, and Loki rolled his eyes in the corner um, <laughs> at the rest of himself. I could not process how bad some of the dialogue was in this episode. I found some of the conversations completely, utterly excruciating. I've got an eye twitch just thinking about it. Just excruciating, (laughs) just bizarre. Just really odd. And it's a really bad eye twitch. I mean, I know I'm tired. I know there's been a lot of football. But my goodness, I have problems with this Loki and Sylvie business. Like, it is deeply stressful and peculiar and i think the peculiarity of it and like the the like really neutered dialogue that they're having is it is just beyond me because we know that there's some great writers in this room we've seen mm. some really interesting thoughtful stuff and now it just feels like very very stripped back so a lot of the dialogue I, I really firmly did not like in the TVA in particular. I didn't like a lot of it. That was just bizarre again. Um, it, it seemed like, well, we need to spend some time with these characters, but we don't have anything for them to say or do. So we'll have them exchange words. Hmm. Uh, none of that was any good to me. Um, however, I thought the scenery was marvellous. I thought the scene setting was fantastic. That first twirly twirly camera shot going through and in and over and the ruined cityscapes and everything in the void. I mean, obviously all the Easter eggs and the detail, I think that is just such a generous kind of fun thing for people who want to press pause and look at the things and be glad that somebody notices the things. 
um enjoy that like that's nice that's all good fun um a little bit confused by some of the choices around the Lokis um, and what they did and who we spent time with and when and what they told us and Alligator Loki is marvellous still obviously but yeah overall I just I, I find it hard to think about this episode because it's not really it's almost not really there it is, it is bridging. Yes, hmm. but it is a great long bridge over a lot of things. And much like going over a bridge, the view is nice, but you're waiting to get to the end of it. Maybe. Hmm. Um, hmm. Hmm. Laura? I was just looking up who wrote this one. And it's someone called Tom Kaufman. I, I did see that... The, uh, the writer had tweeted that whilst my name is on the episode, it, it, credit really must go to the full room of people. <laughs> <laughs> then I looked at the comments and I thought, yeah, I see where you say that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the only one that he's got his name on, as in the only episode of Loki. I thought it was a fun episode, nice mix of people, talking in rooms and action. Um, as we, we both have moved things along, but no, no reveals, and we know how much I love the reveals. And yeah, as, as you said, Matthew, we've seen in One Division and in um, Falcon et al. Normally, this is the episode that we get the reveals, and then that's the big ramp up episode for then the denouement in the final episode. And it feels instead, I think, that we had that in the last episode, in episode four, mm. with the revelation of the um, timekeepers, etc. Mm. So, um, I mean, I suppose so yeah, there's, enjoyed there's, it. there's the revelation and the detail of the void and the Loki. Void specifically, mm. which Mobius mm. is also in. Um, you know that that's oh, so you, specific. you you take that as being just a Loki void. I don't not take just... that as being, but that is what I was shown. I think it's an everyone void. I, I thought th- it was an I everyone. Think when a pruning stick hits you, mm. Mobius and the ships and some of the other stuff we saw happening. Yeah, um, it gets sent there, but the alliance. Mm. Alliance. 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 Uh, it gobbles you up in a big black smoke monster way. So just the Lokis yeah. survive, nobody yeah. else. And, and they survive by being over here in a mm-hmm. bowling alley, which is fine. Mm. You know, that's that's okay. I mean, it, it was fine. Um, mm. I, I, I think, you know, you're, watch, you're watching a Marvel Cinematic Universe show. At some point, you will have to swallow some... It's like this because I told you it's like this, okay? At some point, you know, someone arrives in a pizza car or an ice cream van and you say, hey, it's really fortunate that you were here at this time, Mm. um, just in time to save the thing from the stuff. So, you know, I mean, that's that's all fine. I don't specifically have any problem with that or anything. I just, I was quite interested in in the void. Um, I, I feel like I didn't mention in my things the main thing that i loved which quite obviously was richard e grant who just stole all moments had had a really interesting i thought plot of his own that he was completely inhabiting and and completely in charge of and i i really it was really interesting cutting between his enchanting and sylvie's enchanting because i see sylvie and loki and i see a green screen and a room, and I see Richard E. Grant literally conjuring 
cities. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he is absolutely there. He doesn't. He can see that. If you could just kind of film what is in his eyes, you wouldn't mm. need CGI because it's all happening around him. And I just, I thought it was wonderful. And like, I, I have some fun side quests that we can play later if anyone's interested around my appreciation of Richard E. Grant, just in case he doesn't come back, which probably won't Absolutely. come back. I, I don't think he is. I think Elioth got him. Mm. Which is one of the things that I was a bit disappointed at. You don't think Elioth did get him. Did you see a body? Did you confirm the kill? Is there a void within no. the void? Is he in that big castle they're walking to at the end? Ah, that's what you think, is it? I, I, I don't know, and I'm sort of holding back now because I said last time it would it it feels like it would be really strange to get to the end of even even a six episode series and have the revelation be the person behind it is this person we're introducing to you in episode six. Yeah. Ta da It 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 feels a little bit odd. I mean obviously it would be really weird in a buffy type, you know, long season arc and then suddenly at the end we get the revelation. Mm. But it feels like going, and it's Kang, and this is how we introduce Kang for the next movie in a year. Is it, it weird if it there's definitely this a, a season two, disposable. though? Like, like, are we in a situation that we weren't in with WandaVision where we need a cliffhanger? I don't know, because I, I, I can... My suspicion for season two is that the show is called Loki because it follows Lokis. And we won't necessarily follow Tom Hiddleston next time. I think he has been cast, though. I think he's been confirmed, has he? Okay. That doesn't well, mean... That doesn't mean... fine. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, but that I can imagine... It, Matthew, this is one of the few times I wasn't saying that. <laughs> when... <laughs> when... Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, just even... I'm not even sure that's definitely the case has been confirmed, but even if he has, that doesn't mean that he's the lead Loki. Mm. Exactly, could I could see it being Jack Veal actually follows, or yeah. Sylvie is actually our lead. Mm, Something like that. Interesting. Or, or a whole new way to go. That's genuinely interesting, not that's interesting. Um, in a <laughs> usual subtexty type way. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Loki. I hadn't necessarily thought of it as being the Richard D. Grant Loki, but that would make more sense. So I did think this is not a lot of use of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he did was amazing, but Richard E. Grant, you don't mm. kind of think will just be there. Well, it was very cameo. It, it it felt like like you're gonna give so you're gonna say come do a cameo, make your mark on the Marvel universe. I I thought they did give him enough. Mm. It, it it almost feels like fan service. Like over the years, people have talked about Richard E. Grant as an older Tom Hiddleston, and wouldn't be that be great? Which is weird. They, it's they, never occurred to me. No, before. it's never been discussed. <laughs> this is not a conversation I've seen happen. But it feels like they've gone, well, fine, we'll cast it. Let's do that thing. Let's just and, do you know. that. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. I, I think, potentially, I, I think it would be fine to just have him have had this kind of perfect, it is a perfect piece of, of television for him to be in. It's a great use of him. Obviously, I'd like to see loads more of him, but I don't I don't know if I can envisage it actually happening. I, I do like the import of him that he is the one stressing Loki's are actually really powerful at the enchanting stuff mm, and the yes. magic use. You know, put down the weapons because this is where the real power is and to give us a demonstration of that thing. We've talked about how Loki's powers seem a little bit interchangeable and mm. a little bit fluid at times and we saw him resurrect a building during the chase sequence on Lamentis mm. 1. But this is a demonstration of actually, yeah, they, they are more powerful than you think. 
And I think that that's interesting because I thought that was sort of some of the point of of Sylvie, and I thought that that was going to be her mm. thing. And I think you know you've got Hiddleston Loki really playing off this. I am inspired. You know, if you can see it, you can be it, Loki, sort of thing, um, which is a bit. It, Again, I found that a bit clumsy and a bit weird. But then to have Richard E. Grant Loki in mm-hmm. this kind of classic, grand, powerful Loki. And I thought, you, what is Sylvie supposed to be bringing to the party here, apart from being a woman Loki? Um, what what now is, is she offering? <laughs> because I thought that she was here to go with the enchantment and things, but actually mm. it turns out that's that's his thing. Um, and it's better. If they're variants of the same being, then the fact that they have the same powers, I don't think, is surprising. But I mean, I think I think what she her purpose in the story is the, her friendship, as is at least with um, with Hiddleston Loki, is changing him, and the same with Mobius. If you look at the Loki. And by which I mean the Hiddleston Loki. It's quite difficult. I think we it? have to go with actors at this point because <laughs> the, the Hiddleston Loki is um, in this episode. He's very different to the Loki that grabbed the Tesseract. Mm. If you see, you know, he's not going for powers. He said, you know, she's different to us because she doesn't want to rule it. She wants to tear the TBA down. And I think so that it's there is some influence on him because uh, unless he is suddenly going to turn and stab her in the back, he seems to have. We've dropped the anti part of the anti hero with him, which is which is interesting in in a certain sense, but then in another sense, I mean, you know, Loki, Hiddleston, Loki wanted to bring Asgard down at his own point for his own lack of. He, want, things. he wanted to rule Asgard, and yeah. then sort of sort of by removing it, I suppose, submission of it. You know, I, yeah, uh, I suppose rule it, but. As what? Not really Asgard. But but I think that's the thing. In in the same way that Mobius said earlier in the series, okay, and then what, and then what, and then what? Oh, yeah. Talking about what do you... I don't think he thinks past that. This this is a glorious purpose bit, and that's all he's been striving for because he's not actually managed to get it. Um, Well, and then we did have Sylvie and Loki saying to each other, and then what? And they were both a bit like, nah, no. I particularly liked, in all of this... There was a line that was slightly throwaway that the variants of Loki are cut down, are pruned, when they try to improve themselves mm. or change their situations. And that's how they've all ended up there, seems to be. And putting that back in the bigger context of the show and there being a group put together to stop Loki from becoming... the, the, the A part of Loki's story on the Sacred Timeline is to end up dying as uh, just after Ragnarok uh, on the ship with Thanos, and that what the TVA do is stop any Loki who ever tries to change. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting that seems to be the thing that A, creates Nexus events, whether the Nexus event is that they're actually... they're actually looking for a Loki who changes, that's the Nexus event. Um, it ties back a bit for me to... It is all about Loki, <laughs> and... That what the TVA are doing is just to stop Loki for reasons. There are other people. There are, and they are absolutely taking other people in, and their work has expanded. But the fact that Loki so often does this, and any time 
any variant of Loki goes off that sacred timeline, particularly by, you know, the fact that Richard E. Grant hid out for so long. And then when he started trying to find people and form relationships, that was when they came and found him. It's it's really interesting take on making the character central to the plot and saying that our Loki, Hiddleston Loki, has never changed in the past because if he had, he would have been pruned. So because we're following the sacred timeline, that's always going to be the one that we follow up to this point. And now we get to see what happens when he breaks out of that. And like you say, goes to Sylvie and wants to tear it down rather than take it over, which is... I'm glad they made that explicit. I'm glad that you've got both Richard E. Grant saying about their power power potential and you've got Hiddleston saying about, um, you know, she's different from us because she's taking it in a different way and partially because she's lived outside of the TVA's control for so long. Mm. I did like that we like saw um, President Loki because mm-hmm. I had wondered if that might be um, sort of a big bad that we were going to see. I thought it was really interesting that there was indeed a second Hiddleston Loki because mm. goodness knows I talked about that enough last week. And um, it was it was quite strange, actually, having very much not had that so mm. much. It was quite strange to have an instance of that so yeah, dramatically. Who was so heavily in the promotional material as well. Him with mm. the slightly sm- the smaller horns. So mm. he's a little throwaway. Um, but it's them lying through the marketing about we d- what we we're seeing. We did talk about how we, we hadn't mm-hmm. had so much of the comic book cover shots, mm-hmm. and that's a comic book cover shot, oh, yeah. know, the mm-hmm. arrival, and, and I thought it was quite nice that there were those. So I did enjoy seeing all the different Lokis, um, and, and this idea that the reason we're seeing them is because they're the ones that survive. I did, I did like that as... Um, as a concept. Hmm. Thought Kid Loki was a bit meh. I quite liked Kid Loki. I must say, I, like, yeah. I thought he'd be more annoying than he was, and I thought of all the writing, I thought his was pretty good, and I thought that the kid was really good. Um, I, I just found it quite endearing. Um, I think my favourite scene was with um, Kid Loki and Richard E. Grant and Mobius. Because it was so strange suddenly to have to have that kind of unpinned from this Hiddleston Loki perspective, because um, we've seen sort of other things that revolve around um, around him or around Mobius or such like. But just to have this kind of very quiet, reflective scene, I thought was a really, really brilliant little bit mm. in there. Um, again, you know, the, the mm. content was. But, I thought the actor did a good job and everything. I just my very rough understanding from the comics is that Kid Loki's actually good and doesn't have the didn't the kill evil Thor. elements. <laughs> exactly. So then then when there was kind of like I killed Thor, I was like, Whoa, wait a second. But he's presumably the alternative to the Kid Loki that gets to continue. Yeah, yeah, no, you're probably yeah, yeah, you're right. That that would be that would then make sense why that would be his next event. But I don't know, I just other to me it just felt like so the thing is, Richie Grant, he was his his um his gimmick, his Loki gimmick, was that he was you know classic Loki, old Loki, but he then brought all of this amazing stuff with it. Whereas Kid Loki was just a kid; mm. it didn't, in the same way, alligator Loki was just an alligator and didn't talk, mm. which I was very disappointed by. Mm. But I'm really hoping that we will get a voice in the in the final one. I can hope, Matthew. Okay. 
and be disappointed. And but uh, actually, out of all of them, boastful Loki is the one that I just didn't think was. Oh, you see, quite I I quite liked that point of him telling the story that he got all the Infinity Stones and mm. took it all for himself and so on. You know, he from what he's saying, he's the Loki who succeeded where all other Lokis have failed mm. in getting the ultimate powers. Um, was he telling the truth? No. Nah. Yeah, I, didn't think no. so. I think even an Asgardian couldn't hold uh, all six stones. I I was a bit disappointed that we didn't get more of him. That mm. that kind of we get introduced to these Lokis, but he's the one who gets left behind in the yeah. scrum. I found that I just it was just a bit odd. Mm. Really, I don't know whether it's logistics or the active choice or what, but it was weird. I did enjoy when when they had the the fight and everything. And I think it was this is where it was for me so telling how much Loki has changed, and him just stood there despairing. At, oh God, we are doing this again. Because you'd think and he'd love a bit to... of chaos and, exactly, and all that, but yeah. this is not fun anymore. Yeah, so um, I really like sort of seeing that development of him. Oh, and random note here: his Hiddleston has a really lovely voice. He does. He does have. <laughs> I've, a lovely I've written that down voice. for some reason <laughs> in case true. anyone hadn't noticed. No, it's true. <sighs> I, I enjoyed the fight because it was very reminiscent of something out of like a, a classic Star Trek. A fight going... I'm thinking particularly um, the episode Trouble Tribbles. There's a, a whole fight sequence where the bartender is then pouring himself a drink and trying to leave the bar fight with this drink and not spill anything. So they turn the fight into being something comedic. Mm-hmm. It felt like that similar sort of music take on it as well. It was fun. Yeah, it, yeah. some comedy. It, it, was, it was entertaining. I was entertained during it. <laughs> and then the Sylvie Loki. All the stuff with her and Ravana. I don't think that I don't know, that didn't particularly interest me. Awful. Yeah. Awful. It just it just seemed to be going over our ground again it's and weird. Um, Why was it there? What was it for? Uh, the only thing I think is if Ravana does become a bigger thing in the final one. Um, I'm I'm unclear on what she really does know and doesn't know. It was just very placeholdery. Mm. It, it was it was it was a void. <laughs> there was a tweet I saw, and I can't remember if it was one of you two who shared it or someone else that said um, it really shows this short number of episodes a show gets when characters can be convinced to go on a suicidal mission with one line of dialogue. <laughs> and, and I feel like that about both. The, the the end sequence of this and then putting a plan together, but also that whole thing with Ravonna. It was just single lines, punch, 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 punch. And then she decides to prune herself and, and just go to the void. And it's like, mm. I, I'm sure we could have gotten there quicker and easier or better somehow. You know, I, Sylvia keeps deciding where the man behind the curtain is. Hmm. Of which, what the curtain is, and all these things. You just kind of go, I'll be honest, I wouldn't look at the smoke monster and think, oh yeah, that's a curtain, and behind it will be the answer. Yeah. In the void at the end of time. That's yeah. not, I I don't know how she got there, but I just looked at her and thought, no. I quite like the um, sort of guard dog analogy. Yeah. That it's I, I would if something. it was anything like a guard dog. But it could just be a natural phenomenon at the end of the universe. No, it could be. Like she she doesn't have any additional knowledge about any of this. We've been with her since she started back in the TVA. We know mm. what she knows. 
And and it's it's, it's really weird because she's meeting other characters who do know a lot more. And if one of them said, "Oh yeah, there was a Loki who tried to breach, and there, you know, there is something it's guarding, but they never managed to do it, or mm, they, they couldn't do it on their own," and they go, oh, "If we work together, maybe as a team, our powers combined." I think that would have made a lot more sense. Just, I'm going to enchant it. You go, all right, do that then. You do that. Mm. Have a lovely time. It, it's it's obnoxious. I mean, there's, and there's, you know what, be obnoxious if you want. It's fine. Be be your best Loki. That's fine. But it, it's a bit odd. <laughs> I, do, I think the plan to enchant it is probably better than Hiddleston Loki's plan to kill it. Yeah, kill the smoke monster. I mean, has he never watched all the episodes? You know that Loki's watched all of Lost in some... You know, it's what, 2012? Lost is over. He's watched mm-hmm. it. It's chaos. He would. He probably bloody wrote it. He would love it. <laughs> so, you know, mm. you'd think he'd know. I did like the um, design of Alith. Uh, yes. Alioth. Alioth. Um, Alioth, thank you. I've even got it written in front of me and I can't work out how to pronounce it. <laughs> I like the design. I thought it was a good mm. a good sort of balancing of the smokiness and then, then the face bit and mm. that. I thought, yeah. Particularly when compared to the, the lost smoke monster. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it's reminiscent of something like the um, sand dune sequence in Mummy. Um, but yes. I, I think it's a nice evolution because I feel like we've seen this in a number of places and uh, the... Mm. the expanding foam jelly thing at the end of Guardians 2. Some some of that sort of threat is just amorphous and you can't fight it because it's so amorphous. I dig it. I like it. It was very tangible and, and it had mm. kind of movement logic. I think that's the thing that, that you're often lacking with um, with sort of shapeless forms. Mm. Movement logic. Yeah. And it had that. Yes. And I enjoyed the kind of tendrils. I forget mm. what you yes. called them. But I thought that was... Yeah, no, I thought that that all was really solid. I thought the design of the whole episode was brilliant. All the world, all the void. Really, really into it. I loved all the little um, Easter eggs, very few of which I noted, but there are many, (laughs) many articles out there pointing them all out. So um, I'm going to link to a good one uh, in the show notes. And I think that's really nice. You know, it's it's keeping keeping television journalism going, really, in a way, isn't it? Because someone's (laughs) going to sit there and do their homework, and I think that's nice. I like that. Matthew, did you do any pausing? I didn't. um, I spot the Mjolnir and the frog as we descended through the... uh, descended into the underground thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a Thanos copter in there, which Mm -hmm. is fine. I I liked that... Just as we mentioned Thanos, I liked that Thanos was a, a significant part of all their stories. You know, mm-hmm. Thanos is the biggest thing that's happened in the MCU. Yeah. As a big bad, spanning multiple films and multiple stories. Um, so, so it, like, it does feel like, yes, he and, he and Loki intertwine because they are significant members of this universe. Mm. No, that's true. And it does kind of continue the weight and sort of justify the, the scale of Thanos, if you like, in those other mm. films and the way that he's driven the MCU till now. And we're still, uh, it's easy to forget when we're so far from having seen a fresh Marvel movie, except for the two people here who've seen one this week, um, it's it's bizarre uh, to think that we were supposed to know a lot more about the post-Thanos world than we mm. do. Um, so yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's really nice that it's still wrapping up, it's still acknowledging it, and it's still kind of tiding us over. 
what what I am getting a very if we're talking the big plots in the MCU, I am getting a very heavy vibe that at least phase four, if not the next whole sequence, will be the multiverse mm. and time and multiple realities. At the very least, you know, because we're heading towards Doctor Strange 2, we keep referencing that one. We've got Spider-Man mm. 3 doing some of this same work. What if the trailer came out and is very heavily doing some of this work? And I think What If itself, which I thought was just going to be a disposable, mm. let's have a bit of fun, seems like it might have a core story about Doctor Strange doing some of this stuff. So again, it's doing this setup. So I feel like actually when we get to the end, we'll be able to see some of these pieces being put together uh, across the shows. Hopefully. Looks mm. <laughs> very promising, indeed. Mm. Um, we talked last week our puzzlement, some puzzlement over Hunter B-15 and the way yes. she acted and whether it, it worked for us. I, I quite dug it. I bought that she was not in the same place she was at the beginning of this show, so she was trying to pretend she still was. Mm. How do we feel about her short sequence in this, this time? Unnecessary. Terrible oh, really? writing. Other oh, okay. than I like the actress, mm -hmm. it's yeah. nice to see her. Really good but to see her. What What did we gain from it? Mm. Again, it was just kind of putting people on screen because they're still there. It's it's you know the overview of the chessboard, and you just kind of go, well, I don't. That's not better right now. Mm. It would be better to either put things down, or you've got to contract these things, or you're just. It feels like there have been some real editing choices through the back of this series and mm. i and until we know until we know what it is and what it's about and what the point is and why everything is so hedged i mean let's talk about this sodding non-romance thing it's just why do that it's not clever it's not funny it's awkward and it's weird tablecloth line was amusing i give you that i did like the tablecloth I, I will take that with me <laughs> i was looking at it going oh, that's a crap blanket so i was quite pleased when sylvie said it like, that's fine. It was funny. How cold must it be for frost giant children to get cold? <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that makes you think, you know, e either this is... Either it's a thing or it didn't, you didn't think about it. Mm. Or just, it's, it's, all, it's just a bit odd. I'm not sure it's a romance. Good. It, it is the thing. Yeah. I, I think last week they lent into it and I was not impressed i don't want it to be and this week i think it is a i i don't i don't know how to describe it it's just that we don't have to be alone i'm not necessarily yes. in love with you you're not necessarily in love with me but i can see a partnership here that i've never had access to as an intensity mm. i think yeah i mean they have baffled me a little bit because for me they were so clearly going down the um the romance route with the last one, at least on his side, mm. as we said last time. And now it does seem to be more friendship, but special friendship in a kind of, you know, we may spend our time together, you know, a lot of our time together. And, and the with Just benefits is I'm not going to stab you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of future flatmate type, type okay, thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, we differ, Abby, in that I'm, well, and, and Matthew, in that I am, uh, I'm perfectly happy for them to be together. I don't know. Nice. I'm glad we're representing a variety of views, all yeah. possible views. Um, I, I just, I, I think last week I didn't feel that it was there in the writing. I felt it was there in the acting, 
and in yeah. in the framework of it they're operating in those modes and i felt like we were still getting operating in these modes but with the language so deliberately cast and and outside mm. um romantic parameters also sylvie lied to us about the postman and can i say that that was my most disappointed in her I also thought that was a joke. I never thought no, that was a joke. No, I, t- real I thing. took it very seriously. I loved the oh. idea that she had a postman. I thought that was fine. I love the idea, but yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, no, I, t- I took that very seriously. And, she, you know, I mean, I know you can't trust a Loki, but why do they keep doing this? Well, I mean, maybe there is a postman still, but. That's true. You know. That's true. It could have just been a byline. Um, yeah. But no, I, that scene where they were sitting on the rock is one of the, the my least favourite things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You mean <laughs> last. Not last episode, episode. No, this last. episode. This episode. When they were on that, the, the uh, Yeah, the other rock I didn't care for either, but this one was just, I was watching <laughs> it going, what are you going to say now? And now? And now? I just, oh gosh, it's just like watching people write really bad fanfic in comments. Oh, and each one is worse than the last, but you can't stop. You can't click away because you just can't <laughs> believe. You just need some resolution. You need to know what people are thinking. So if there is one thing I want next week, it's, you know, Define your terms. Tell me, what, what are you doing here? Address it and don't have people hedge. Locusts don't hedge in any other way. I don't know why they're doing it with each other. It, it, it's weird. I think if we were getting more of a performance of it in this episode, then it'd be fine. But, you know, the hedging and a bit what we got from Hiddleston at the end of last episode where he's sort of saying... I don't, I'm new to this or I don't have to do mm. this. If it was a bit more like that for both of them and it almost felt more like that kind of teenage approach to it, it felt like. But what and what they were saying sounded like that because he said, I don't know how to do this something and she says, I don't even know what we're doing. But the performance in this one didn't feel romantic at all. So mm. it, it felt really weird. The, it's almost, as you said, Abby, the last episode we got the performance but not necessarily the words and this time we got more of the words but not the performance if you were wanting to write it as a romance and so to the point that much as I like the idea of them together as uh, Loki and Loki and and just also poor Tom Hiddleston Loki having somebody because I do feel he's been a bit and he, he clearly needs some love which I'm willing to give mm. um much so it'd be nice if he, if he could be with someone if now in the next episode they do suddenly turn around and snog or something I'm going to be like, well, wait a second, what the hell just... Yeah. This has been up and down and not in a good roller coaster romance way, in in a very strange way. So now it does feel like it's more going towards um, maybe soulmate, but not romantic soulmate, that kind of friendship thing, which I'd be really happy to see. If that's where it goes to in the next episode, I feel like I'm going to have to watch it all as one piece. Yeah. And see, when you're watching it without that week in between and without the, the you know, heavy discussion that we give it each week, does it sort of come together when you are just moving from piece to piece? Because yeah, this is a very short time between each moment for each of them. Um, and maybe the weekly release, I think, as we've said before, is not necessarily helping it. Mm. That they're writing for the long term like a film rather than the short term as it comes out. Is there a way they can write this and make it work? Like, is there, a, a, is there something that we could look back at it and be like, oh, I see. Is there an answer? I think if they continue down the friend route, then I'll be okay with it. And that that was the the last episode was kind of the intense realizing the connection between them or something. 
But like I said, if they try and ping it back again now, I think it will be very weird. Mm. Yeah, if, just not if, great. It's, if it's partners, yeah. I'm there for it. If it's romantic partners, it feels easy. Is the problem? It just sloppy rather than easy. Hmm. Is it is it easy if it's bad though? Like it, it doesn't seem easy to make it work. It seems easy to say, but it's not yeah. good. <laughs> it's 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 the pass one through your story. Oh, and what if they had a romance? Oh, yeah, that'd be great because it's the same person, but they're different genders and different experiences. Or whatever. Yeah, great, let's do that. Rather than the, the second and third thought about it. I would rather they'd done the Back to the Future thing, where it's just like, it's just like I'm kissing my brother. <laughs> that might be what we see. Well, yeah, but I'd rather they just like jumped in with that, like in the yeah. bar scene or something at the beginning. Like I, I would, I don't mind if they want to hit that for a joke, but I'd rather mm. that we ran straight through it early on and spend their time together, actually talking with content instead of hedging around something that we don't understand. Mm. That at the end of the show either is or isn't resolved, but sure did take up a lot of screen time. Mm. Yeah. Is there a way to make it good? I, I think it would have to be something about the person behind all this is Tom Hiddleston Loki and he's doing it to try to save Sylvie eventually because she always dies doing this thing and he's making changes every time to try to do it or to stop it from happening because he sees how terrible Lokis are and it's the fact that they have overcome their general animosity to working with anyone, to being with anyone... It's that is she allowing is the them to be, and him as well. You know the the fact that they got to spend time together and get to that point. It's something I, I I would I would buy some of that because the Loki exceptionalism is supposed to be in all the Lokis. So yeah, there has to be something about this situation that's different. And this situation is that they are together and spending time together, where Lokis generally do not. Maybe I must say that that much as I. I like the the actor playing Sylvie, and this is this is not that point. But there are many points where I feel like the writing is getting very close to manic pixie dream Loki, and yeah, I struggle mm. with that. Mm. Oh, that's a good observation. You're very much telling me that she has lived at the end of apocalypses for an age, and and then you give me Richard E. Grant, who's basically done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A very similar thing again. I just I feel like they took all of what was interesting about her story, and instead of being quirky and elfin, Richard E. Grant is depressed and in lycra. And <laughs> I suppose those are your choices. Just you like him. <laughs> I think it's interesting that the she's the best of us. I have to be honest. When he was talking about that, I did a bloody feminist crap eye roll, which me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting. For listeners that don't know, I am a gender balance consultant as a trade and I spend my time helping companies uh, improve their gender balance. So for me to sit there and go, okay, good, we've ticked the feminist box with this one. It felt a little heavy. However, I do like a kind of in-story idea that that perhaps some of what we're seeing with this romance, not romance, from um, Hiddleston Loki's end is he really admires her and he probably doesn't know what to do with that. What does that, you know, we, mm. we know that he's had um, previous, let's say, romances as far as um, not deep loves, but, um, you know, 
romantic feelings to people, sexual feelings anyway. And perhaps to start with, that's why he puts this in this box, this idea of admiring somebody. But now it's grown into something else, but they've just, I mean, they've had to kind of sweep past that if that is what they're trying to do. Yeah, it, it, it's all very confusing. Should we talk about, like, the less confusing <laughs> relationship that we got, which is the Mobius mm. content, mm-hmm. the Loki and Mobius content, which I was pleased to see the internet respond to. Is That's how they save it. Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston snog for half an hour, and that's the end of the series. <laughs> On a jet ski. <laughs> On a jet ski. I need a jet ski. <laughs> On a jet ski. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I can't believe I didn't check for fan art before I came onto this part. Um, I, what, what a lovely hug, though. Mm. I don't know. I, yes, the hug was lovely, and I, I did like the "You're my favorite" to Sylvia over his shoulder as well. You're my favorite one. Given how upset Loki Hiddleston Loki looked when Mobius was pruned and he thought he'd died, this it was kind of like, oh, and Mobius is here, great. I, I wanted a bit more then that, you know, he grabs him in a hug or something and that it's more of a, oh, thank God. Because at that stage, Loki knows that Lokis make it through. He doesn't necessarily know that Mobiuses do. Mobi I. Point. And um, I suppose he's, he's busy being sort of entranced by all of himself mm. at and, that point. And Sylvie especially. We have to use some very he... weird grammar when we're talking about this stuff. <laughs> I mean, if Loki doesn't come to test our use of pronouns, what is he for? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just... I I like the sort of moments of connection. It's almost as if there are points at which Loki has to be reminded to have moments of connection. Um, mm. It's like, oh, goodbye, you're going now. We will do the going now. And actually, I have some feelings about that while mm. we're doing that. Or... Um, Oh no, we've just pruned uh, this one. Oh no, that's bad. Especially oh, hmm. so awkward. Well, interesting anyway. Um, but yeah, it's... <sighs> I suppose there's a lot going on for Loki. So deciding what to pay attention to and, and what his glorious purpose may be at any one point when everybody is bound with their own purpose at various points. Um, yeah. Again, I just I think it's so interesting because there are so many locus and choices in this story and we just keep coming back to these very simple we go over there and we're gonna do that and then after that we're gonna find out some stuff. And then after that we're gonna find out some stuff. And in a minute <laughs> we're gonna find out some stuff. But wasn't that the the game type stuff that you guys were saying you enjoyed? Yeah. So I think the more yeah. we talk about it, it seems like overall we enjoyed it, but when you start picking yeah. it apart, this one doesn't necessarily work as well. You're saying we shouldn't do a podcast? <laughs> this is how I've decided to break it to you. But, but on this, like, we do always complain that they never sit down and ask each other the questions. And I like that he sat down with these other Lokis and said, right, what are your Nexus events? What happened to you that caused you to yes. end up here? Give me data to understand this more. And and that's the closest this episode came to the procedural stuff that mm. has been good so far. This episode was largely MCU type things. Run over here, do this thing, have this battle. Um, flee. The, there were the quiet setting moments. Mm. And and I like Kid Loki sat with the juice box. That was very nice. Yes. Would anyone like 
a little design classic. Yes, please. Because I've got my wife has has come up with some really quite fantastic goods for this. The bit when when they're all sat asking each other about their Nexus events, they are sat predominantly, not entirely, on variants of Eames chairs. And there's the lounge chair, the shell chair, and the DAW in capital letters, the door chair. Door. There, there will be um, footnotes. But they're, I mean, we were saying they don't look like entirely right, and it could just be the filming, it could just be that they're, you know, in a bowling alley underground in the thing. Like At the end of time. Yeah. Other things. Yes, but there's, <laughs> the, we, we had a nice theory that they are the Eames chairs that had had their own Nexus events. <laughs> With chair variants. Yeah, the, the chariots, if you will. <laughs> but um, I just, I just thought that was that was really enjoyable, and like they're they're real design classics. You you've seen them, and you've probably gone, oh, that's, the name's that familiar. kind of chair, and that kind of chair. Yeah. Um, and there's one that's like the school chair. It's like the kind of plastic bucket mm. sort of chair. Um, is one, but it's just yeah, I I really enjoyed that actually, and that's it's just such a nice touch. I mean, they're completely different looking chairs, just like they're completely different looking Loki's, but they're all Eames chairs, and I thought that's nice. I mean, the throne is not, and the armchair is not, so it doesn't totally work. But someone, maybe, and whether they thought of it or not, what a nice thing. Yes, what a fun point. So there we go. That's this week's design classic. <laughs> Why, thank you, and thanks to Pegs. <laughs> do you want the design classics for the juice box? Yes, yes. Because that's where I thought you were going. That's why why I mentioned it to try to um, <laughs> queue you up. So the juice box was the high C ecto cooler juice box, apparently, which was done for the Ghostbusters film, and then stuck around for about twenty years because apparently it was really tasty. I, I wonder if it was done for the cartoon or something, and then apparently. Yeah, they reissued it for the female-led Ghostbusters reboot. I have a very vague so. memory of this drink. Ah. I think it was for the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon. And there was a thing that I've not looked into in detail, that there is a Polybius, Poly, Polybius arcade unit in this. Yes, I saw that mentioned. Mm. So this is legend. an urban legend that... I think CIA agents something installed this arcade unit to try to find genius people, Russian agents. I think I, it, you know, it's one of those things you don't remember because it's pointless. Um, but some interesting urban legend, and apparently it was featured in the bowling alley scene, which that's a bit of fun. Just behind the chairs in the hmm. bowling alley. Okay. I like that the bowling alley looked like it was out the back of the circus from WandaVision. I wondered if they recycled <laughs> any content, stroke yeah. fabric, something from that. But again, it's, it, that's the attention to detail that we have enjoyed. Some of that level of things. I don't need a Thanos copter. And, you know, a bit big, obvious, flashy stuff. Just give me small little things that show me you've worked and you want to reward people to go and do the reading and find out about stuff. Yeah, that's nice, though. Why not give them everything? Why not mm. just do it all? Yeah, so probably oh. are people who like it. So, I like the boat thing. Mm. You know, it was brief. It was there, and it really made its point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I like the flaming sword. It felt very biblical, um, and apparently, from one of the many Easter egg articles, 
is um a weapon that I cannot pronounce that um Loki Mul-mul. does no because with an L. Dull-lul. And then there's a load of owls. <laughs> um <laughs> so uh, I won't even try it because it'd be embarrassing. Uh, and uh, apparently, yeah, the flaming sword is is uh, a weapon that Loki of myth wields. So nice. that's cool. Uh, I really like the music at that stage when he's given the sword. I mean, the music mm. was amazing all the way through, but I really liked it there as well. Yeah, particularly yeah, good. the music was just again ludicrously good. Really, what an absolute joy, constant joy. Mm. I mean, worth worth all the hours. Even if the show was rotten, the music would still be fantastic. You just watch it with your eyes closed. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Or buy the album. Oh, which is there is that other option. option as well. Yes, which um, which I'm still very excited about. How nice as well, you know, for Marvel to go into the uh, album soundtrack business. I mm. think. Mm. So we have got the final episode coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, sure we now. we did obviously touch on it earlier as to who's in the castle. Um, do we think whoever's in the castle is behind the TVA? Do we think they're necessarily the same thing? It's not Agatha, is it? <laughs> I would love if it was. Could be. Well, I did send you that picture. You did. You did this lovely picture of um, Richard D. Grant and Agatha Catherine, Catherine Hart. Harkness. <laughs> <laughs> and that'd be amazing if that was the massive spoiler. And they're in fact like like Love's Lost Dream or something and they're like the couple at the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if Richard E. Grant had just kind of done a Tom Holland? And... <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. So let's let's go into who could it be. Catherine Hahn, Agatha is a very long-lived being. Takes power from others. Could be, could be Doctor Strange. Because I I would be you know I am still going to be surprised, and I'm I'm expecting I'm likely to be surprised when they reveal it, Kang the Conqueror, and it's a character that we don't know and we're going to, have to be introduced to very very quickly. But if I'm not going to be surprised by that, who are the people in the MCU that it would be like, oh, it's a surprise to find out it's them, but I know all about them, so I don't need 10 minutes of exposition to find out. Yeah, I mean, that would that would be much more um, sat- satisfying, I think, for this show, mm. but as opposed to them just dropping a Kang or whoever in. Um, but I, I, I think that's probably the way they're going to go because it's not just this show, it's also been set up because it's, it's mm-hmm. in the universe. And there were various Kang hints, apparently, in the void. Um, like the the Avengers Tower is there, but it's not Avengers, it's something else, which I can't remember okay. now. It's Kang, on the... No, yeah, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's something to do with Kang. And even um, the smoke monster, I can't remember its name, but either now... Alios. So yeah, I, either those are um, not Easter eggs. Either those are red herrings, or we are oh, we are getting Kang. Isn't Ravonna part of Kang's yeah. storyline? Yeah, she's. I hate to say love interest, but I don't, I don't really want to say lover. <laughs> she's <a> lover. <laughs> Miss Minutes is looking sketchy. Mm. Poor Miss Minutes. Yeah. And yeah, it absolutely could be Miss Minutes. Has I'd love if it was Miss Minutes. Become an advanced AI in the future. You know, Skynet became self-aware on August 31st, 1997? August 2nd? August 1997. Rise of the Robots. Mm. You know who I, I want it to be Dolly Parton. <gasps> I want it to be Dolly Parton. Remember we were saying before, and yeah. this, whole, this Tara Strong person that supposedly is voicing mm. Miss Minutes is a smokescreen. 
and we'll get to the castle and it's, uh, it's Dolly Parton it's Dolly time. Parton all along and she low better key, have a song. Loki, Loki, Loki. I'll clip that for the end. Um, <laughs> what a joy. Yeah, that, that'd be good. So, okay, I mentioned I had side quests and I have side quests, oh, yes, which okay. is, um, it occurred to me um, for, like, you can tell how excited I've been by the whole thing that with Richard E. Grant arriving in the MCU, um, if you check the group chat, um, you'll see that this is in fact the first person in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I have met. And it, I, I just, I found myself wondering two things. Firstly, have you met anyone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And secondly, has anyone else in the Marvel C- Cinematic Universe got their own perfume range? <laughs> the first thing my mind went to is Britney Spears in the MCU. <laughs> this is the thing. Going through both these things, I suddenly realised I've met every actor who's not in the MCU. Simon Callow is not in the MCU. Sean Bean is not in the MCU. I'd love Sean Michael Bean Palin. In the MCU. Michael Palin isn't in the MCU. <laughs> I've not met. I think. Oh, I don't know why I'm even thinking about this. I think I've only met two famous people in my entire life, so neither of which are ever likely to be in the MCU. In the world. I know. It just. I, I, it made me think, and I just thought. There's so many people in fact, because you know, every so many people Paltrow. that's it. Gwyneth oh, she's Paltrow. very famous. No, I haven't met her. I was talking <laughs> about the perfume side of things. She's at least got a smelly candle, if not a perfume. <laughs> is she is she the only person in the MCU with a candle? <laughs> no, I think the candle is straight up fully un-euphemistic. Full frontal. <laughs> I think the candle has no shame. Smells of a goop. You're right, no, but she must have designed perfumes, she many perfumes. So, in fact, not the first person in the I, I would be perfume. amazed if Scully Hansen didn't or hadn't. She's, she's advertised she's, a lot. Exactly, perfumes, so. Yes. But has mm. she, well, so is Thor. That's true. As I'm sure Hiddleston probably has as well, yeah. Oh, what's he advertised? Man sent. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Idris Elba has advertised Tommy... <laughs> What are you wearing? I'm wearing Tom Hiddleston's mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just I just found it, you know, fairly interesting. You know, been around sort of various things and seen people and met people and so on, but never in the MCU. Um, and there, are, yeah, so many people are not in the MCU. I feel like Doug yeah. Jones must have been in the MCU, but who? Doug Jones. The stunt. But oh yeah, yeah. has he done stunts for the MCU? Oh, I can't think. Um, has Johnny Vegas been in the MCU? <laughs> well, it's one of those things where, you know, there's no reason that he's not hiding out in the back of Thor 2 or something. <laughs> like, would you be surprised if someone said, oh, cameo? <laughs> you know. He's one of the dark elves. Yeah. I know someone who has interviewed Christopher Eccleston. Does that count? I'm trying to remember who Christopher Eccleston is in the MCU. He's, he's big, shouty male Keith. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Thor 2, Malekith, the Dark Elf. Which I didn't watch, because we didn't put that in our list no. of films to watch. <laughs> no, and then didn't. you two watched it, and I didn't, so that's Thor why two, I thought about it. I bet Zendaya has a perfume. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah surely. Multiple, mm. I imagine. Surely one mm. she's constructed. Probably, like, did all the distilling herself. I'm I'd imagine not so. Surprised. Bottled it. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Just everything. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. So perfumes of the MCU. I mean, if we need a follow-up podcast, we can gather <laughs> them and review. Well, you see, it just makes me then go to wineries. Which of them have wineries and wines? And <laughs> oh, it's, oh, this is this is a podcast I could go for. Wine and wine and perfumes of the MCU. <laughs> I mean, that would be marvelous, wouldn't it? Has anyone got a winery? Most of them. Oh, have they? I thought you were asking me. Um, yeah, I think I would have your winery. Denby's? <laughs> yeah, it's all you spent time in Italy. <laughs> Matthew, what's in your garage? Um, <laughs> just a range of small beer. I'm basically just going through the films thinking in my head, like, who's in this one? Have I met any of the. It's I feel like at a convention or a signing or something, I must have at some point. That's what I thought, but. I was right. in the same building as. Um, this counts. As. Oh, I'm blanking on the actor's name. Sam make, Wilson. Make it good. Sam Wilson. Anthony Mackie. Yes. Well, well, that totally Uncle counts. Sam. It was either him or it was Bucky. I can't remember. One of them <laughs> was at um, was at the Comic Con in London, and I was in the building. But the building is the XL, so that's quite a big building. I didn't see either of them either, but I was in the same building. You were in Marvel proximity. There we go. I'm sure some stardust rubbed off on me. I would say. I think that almost counts. So I think this is a question for the listeners then. We need to know yeah, the, the we, Marvel we know. perfumes that we're missing, the Marvel <laughs> vineyards that we're missing, and also, have you ever met anyone from the MCU? Does Paul Rudd have a cologne? Or a winery. <laughs> or a winery. <laughs> Cameron Diaz isn't in the MCU, is she? No. Well, she's stopped acting though, hasn't she? Mm. Yeah, but she makes whatever is not wine that she has. Olive oil? <laughs> well, no, it's uh, she calls it white. She calls she calls it I don't know, like clean wine or something oh, objectionable. Okay. I love Cameron Diaz really dearly, but this is a, a line I cannot. Okay, so yeah. Oh we... yeah, Ch- Chutney's is goalkeepers, isn't it? So what we need is Kylie Minogue in the MCU because that then ticks both wine and perfume. Again, Absolutely. and Kylie's wine. I mean, we're not sponsored by Kylie's wine, but, but we, we should, should be because it's really nice it's really good wine <laughs> Sophia Coppola has wine from, from her well Francis Ford Coppola has a vineyard and there is a Sophia Coppola wine which I now follow on Instagram <laughs> see now I feel that instead of us finding wine in the MCU we're trying to cram people into the MCU just to get the wine <laughs> because we've got their wine yeah. <laughs> because we've got a podcast that we has, like... <laughs> has Chateauneuf de Pape ever been in uh... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what what would a Sophia Ford Coppola Sophia Coppola film look like in the MCU? That'd be fun. I, w- I would be interested. Well, in I'm waiting for event for Eternals to see what a Chloe Zhao film looks like. Well, That's the yes. You know. mm. We're all waiting mm. for Eternals. Has Angelina Jolie got a winery? <laughs> <laughs> Every time anyone turns up, there would be like, have they got winery <laughs> or Dear Aquafina, can you open a winery in a couple of months, please? Please. <laughs> Hugs and kisses, yeah, Marvel. We will accept samples and review them on our Marvel based podcast. <laughs> right, so I'm, I'm going to try and drag us back here. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Loki. Just, I told just... you they were side quests. Yeah. Oh, are there any other side quests? No, those. those oh, are, that was very those enjoyable. Thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, on a slightly different side quest, have you guys watched the um, new Simpsons Marvel short film? I have. The Good, the Bar and the Loki. I thought I it was pleasant enough. I didn't think that... Uh, I mean, it's, it's just 
here's a Marvel thing, here's a Marvel thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> but it's um, in they have post credit scenes because obviously you do because it's a Marvel thing. And um, at one stage, Ravonna does say she's basically um, bawling out Loki, and then hints, "Will you wash your nasty hair?" <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting that it cropped up. I suppose Simpsons versions of these things have done. Mm. Um, Yeah, they had another Marvel thing before this, didn't they? I can't remember, but I'm sure there was. There was a Star Wars. Yeah, I thought it was a Marvel one as well. Quite possibly. I'll say I haven't kept up with Simpsons for a long time because it it seems like it will always be there. You know, like one day. Yeah, one day I'll watch 300 episodes of The Simpsons that have been on since I watched the last 300, and and it'll be fine. Yeah, when I got to Disney Plus, I thought, oh, okay, great, because I've not watched it for a while. I saw how many there are, and it's like, no, no. <laughs> I've definitely got to do DS9 before I do The Simpsons. Do you think that's a sentence anyone's said before? <laughs> Anyway. Mm. Anything else? I also like it. Yeah, I'm done. Well, because there so might be some. Abby might have an interesting side quest. I enjoyed the wine and perfume. Yeah, I can always be reluctant to come up with side quests. Yeah, good. I, I still feel like there must be something that we haven't talked about because I, I still. I think that's why I keep asking as well. About, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think I felt this a bit last week as well. It's just like, but surely there was, there was more to it. And I think, you know. No, there really wasn't. There, there really wasn't any more to it. And when you look at the quality and, and the cast and the things, it, it is an enjoyable experience. And I also don't think it's that weird that in some sense we feel like we might want a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think I did feel like like even immediately after I watched it, I think I felt like I had wanted a bit more kind of meaningful stuff rather than some, some word salad and some placeholding. Mm-hmm. Um but I do think that having seen it a second time now, the kind of the richness of the landscape and the detail and the effort and music and all of these things, the aesthetic of Loki the show is my favourite MCU aesthetic that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And I okay. think I will definitely enjoy that aspect of it. Cool. But whether I enjoy it as a whole remains to be seen after next week. <laughs> well, on that note, we think we've said everything we want to about this one. <laughs> Um, we'll be back next week with the final episode of Loki and until then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing I'm on Twitter at Laura Geeks Out Matthew where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Matthew Vose and Abby I'm on Twitter at This A.E. Shaw Lovely we will see you all next week Loki 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 Loki